Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast, supported by FNB Channel Islands. Coming up with victory over title-chasing Sylvans on Saturday, Manza served up a reminder of what they can produce in the Premier League, but for how much longer? We'll be speaking to coach Mark Romerill about the challenges facing his squad on and off the field. We'll also look back at all the weekend's results. Is it now a two-horse race in Guernsey's top flight? Plus, we'll round up where things stand in the island's other divisions, celebrate a refereeing return, and recap the latest big names revealed in our countdown of Guernsey football's top 100. I'm Tony Kerr, and with me today, as ever, are Rob Batiste. How do And Gareth Leprevo. Hiya, Tony. Well, chaps, let's start with the FNB Prio League then. It's as you were at the top with Rovers still four points clear of St. Martins, but having played three games more. Uh, Leon Meekin Saints beat Bells 2-0 on Friday night before Rovers smashed Rangers 9-3 on Saturday. Uh, Sylvan's 4-1 defeat by Manza leaves them seven points off the top now with one game in hand on Rovers. Uh, vale Rec beat Alderney 3-1 in the weekend's other game. Well, Rob... A two-horse title race now, then? Most definitely. Um, yeah, Sylvan's had a fantastic run, but I'm afraid that's it for them now. I mean, obviously, mathematically, they're still in it, but realistically, no. And um, it's down to Rovers or Saints, um, and you've got to fancy Saints the way things are going. Yeah, we'll talk a lot more about the Manza game in a moment. Um, let's start with Saints-Bells, then. Um, a 2-0 victory for Saints there. Yeah, it was far from straightforward. Um, first half, I thought Bells were really good and probably that's the best performance I've seen them play. First 45 minutes performance all season. Even though they didn't have Mark McGrath and Ryan Zico Black, they were really well set up um, in midfield. They pushed forward Dave Merris, the former York man, um, who might be 40 these days, but it was obviously clearly a, a very, very able footballer. He played central midfield and had Joby Bougues buzzing around him along with Stuart Russell, who formerly been a winger. I was very surprised to see him crop up in that central position and he played very well to be fair, running, um, caused Saints a lot of trouble by running between the lines. Um, unfortunately though, Bells were a bit light up top um, and that's probably um, was their downfall on the night. Once Saints got ahead early in the second half, they were obviously well charged up, um, having had a, a little bit of a rocket half time from Leon Meakin. And in the second half, there was that Bells didn't show up much at all, although they remain well organised and hard to beat. And into Saturday, then, um, as we said, Sylvan's falling 4 1 against Manza. Fair result there? Very much so. Um, there wasn't a lot in it, and Sylvan certainly had plenty of chances. Kyle Smith probably had his worst game of the season, tried hard enough, but he just couldn't hit anything anywhere near the target, um, which was great frustration to them. Um, but as soon as I saw the Manza team sheet, I thought, hmm, this, is, this is, could be a surprise here today. They really had a very strong side and pushed Man um, Sylvans twice already this season. And um, so, with, I say, with that sort of team, they, they, they'll, they'll beat anybody. Who stood out for you? For Manza, Craig Young, remarkably, ended a game without, without limping, which was about the first time I've seen him this year. It was great to see the old guy perform so ably for 90 minutes and really enjoy it um, and not look like he needed to be put down <laughs> at half-time because sometimes he really is he's, he's so brave. It's, it's, it's incredible. Now, he had a great game. Tom Dodds um, in central midfield along with Kez Marn ran the show, to be fair. 
And up front, Marlon Giardine was superb. He is very, very sharp. Very sharp. Scored a couple of good goals. And it's now two wins uh, on the bounce for, for Valrec. Uh, they beat Alderney 3-1 on Saturday. It follows up a, a 2-1 win against North in midweek. Gareth, you were at the game, uh, the North game. Valrec turning a bit of a corner? Yeah, they had um, several first-team uh, regulars back for the North game. I mean, the week earlier against Saints, when when they let in seven, they were sort of putting square pegs in round holes, really. And um, against North, just one look at the team sheet, you thought this is going to be a far more competitive game. Um, it's great for them. They've got um, Rory Moriarty back. He came off the bench in that game, and I think he might have started against Alden. He certainly scored. Um, but they they looked a far more cohesive unit against North. Um, Glenn Letizia was up front, which is obviously where he's going to be better suited. He had played central midfield against Saints. And at the back, I thought they were really good. Damien Larkin was outstanding. His um, his powers of recovery sometimes when there was, there was a couple of close sort of offside calls, which the flag stayed down and he had to sprint back. But he, he managed to do it several occasions. And one of his last ditch tackles in the late on in the game, I still don't know how he came away with the ball because he had no right to, but he did. Um, and actually, their back three that night were, were quite good, actually. Um, Keanu Marsh is perhaps a bit more used to being a wing-back, but he, he played right side of the three centre-backs and played well. And um, Paul Smith, who I, I don't think I'd seen play before, he's a, he's a new signing for Valrec, he, he looked a solid defender as well. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a far better performance than what they'd put out against Saints, but it, understandably against Saints, because they, they were uh, very much under strength. Yeah, good, good to see. And uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit of a battle emerging in that mid-table for, for places now with uh, not a, you know, not many points separating Manza, Bells, North, uh, Rex, still a little way off, but uh, with a whole clutch of games in hand. In terms of yeah, how the title race sits then, it could be another interesting week, uh, a busy week in particular for, for Manza. We'll speak to Mark Romwell in a moment, but they face North in midweek and then uh, take on St Martins on Saturday. On that kind of form and with, with that kind of squad, that'll be a, a game that St Martins won't be looking forward to, I guess. Um, I'm sure they won't be. Um, if, you, never, you never know with Manza. I mean, they're, um, they've also got a very strong 12 or 13 players. Um, and if they play as well as they did against Sylvans on Saturday, they could cause... Saints a whole of problems, a whole lot of problems, and perhaps even beat them. But the trouble is, you never. By then, they may well have picked up midweek injuries. Um, poor old Craig might be injured again. And um, as I say, um, they and, and they do have un- availability problems sometimes. Tom Martin can't play, and um, they're disrupted in defence. But you never know. Well, that's the end of part one. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Manza coach Mark Romerell. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press football podcast. If you're listening on the Guernsey Press website, why not follow the show on your favourite podcast player to get every episode delivered straight to you? And if you can, leave us a rating or review. Uh, We're here every Monday for the rest of the season. Now, it was a weekend to enjoy for Manza. Uh, They might just have had a big say in the Premier League title race with a 4-1 win over Sylvans. It leaves them fourth in the table at six points behind the St. Peter Club. Uh, But now in their fourth season in Guernsey's top flight, the Manza project is facing its biggest challenges yet. Uh, There are question marks not just about who will be playing for them next year, uh, but also about where they'll be playing. Uh, Well, I'm pleased to say we're joined on the pod now by their coach, Mark Rummel. Mark, uh, great to see you. Let's start with the the good stuff uh, and the the win at the weekend. How pleased were you with that performance? 
Yeah, very. It was. Uh, we played well. Um, we we had a pretty good side out on Saturday, so we kind of fancied our chances. We'd had a couple of good games against Sylvans this season, so um, yeah, we, we you know we, we spoke about their record. They went sixteen games undefeated, which is an incredible achievement in the Premier League. And uh, but you know it took them the last minute uh, equaliser against them against us uh, at the end of last year uh, to get a point. So we we sort of fancied our chances and. Uh, with the side we had, the squad we had available on Saturday, um, yeah, we played pretty well. I think the key was not to go behind against them. We, you know, we were something we spoke at length. You know, Sylvans are very well organised, and if they get their noses in front, they're extremely difficult to break down. So we went one up, conceded a bit of a sloppy goal, but came out in the second half and uh, scored a couple of good goals and uh, saw the game out quite well. So yeah, very pleased with that. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, I mean, in terms of targets for the the rest of the season, then what are you looking at? Is it just to get you know as good a side as you can out each game and 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 see where you go? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Manza is typified in the last seven days, really. I mean, we played Bells the week before and had seven of our first team players available and lost the game one nil. Last week on Saturday, we uh, you know we had pretty much our strongest side out, and uh, we beat Sylvans four one. So yeah, the goal for the rest of the season is really it's game by game but get on a roll you know uh, end the season the best we possibly can as strong as we can and obviously we've got an FA Cup semi-final to look forward to against St Martins at the start of June so um, yep building towards that really so yeah plenty to play for still I mentioned some of those challenges perhaps off the field at the moment Um, for you what's causing the biggest headache the biggest issue is simply will we have a team at Prio level next season so obviously there's been a fair few challenges in the last few months um, but the biggest thing for us and it's you know we've got to a point with the club that we are at a crossroads it, it, it's you know we've been going for 12 years we've been in the Prio League for four years and you know it, it all comes down to next season as to whether or not we have a team that is able to play in the Premier League. So it's going to be simply based on players. We need to get six or seven players through the door in the summer in order to have a side for next season. It's really that simple. And you mentioned the sort of, you know, the up and down nature of things in terms of selection. When you have a win like that at the weekend with everyone or, you know, with, with you know, a decent number of your, your gun players there, does that, you know, do you then approach the week in, you know, in a great light feeling actually, you know, the project really has got legs and, you know, but, but next week you might lose and not have those players there and think, actually, is this worth it? Yeah. Do you know, as man's a coach, that's what you get used to doing. You know, it's, it's highs and lows. Absolutely. I mean, you, you build up to the week and it's it's all about that WhatsApp message that goes out, who's available for the next game. And you're just praying that you get the thumbs up as opposed to the thumbs down. Because you know when you get the thumbs up, you know, we're as good as anybody. We can beat anybody on our day. But, you know, when you see five or six players that can't make it, we just don't have the resources that the clubs like St Martins and Rovers have. Um, and, you know, it makes life pretty much you know, impossible to compete when you get that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Saturday was good. And uh, we got North on Wednesday night. And uh, yeah, the WhatsApp we- message went out this morning. So just hoping that we get a load of thumbs up on it. So, Oh, good luck. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and for you personally as coach, how determined are you to see the club continue at Prio level? Oh, massively. I mean, we've thrown, it's evolved, you know, it never, it, it never set out to be what it is today. I mean, it started off with us a five-side team 12 years ago and it's turned into a, you know, a fully, you know, a club that's got four teams. Uh, we finished mid-table in the Premier League every year. So, yeah, I mean, myself and my right-hand man, Rob Thompson, is, you know, we're both doing absolutely everything we can to provide a product um, that 
you know, that players want to be part of. So we're doing everything can behind the scenes. Um, and then it's all going to, like I said before, it's all going to rely on whether or not we can get players through the door in the summer to be able to fulfil those games and enter that league. Yeah, because quite clearly you're going to lose probably four or five players, perhaps as many as six to a returning GFC. Um, and it won't be easy to get adequate replacements because there simply aren't that many around, are there? Definitely not. And of course, the big problem we have is, you know, and it was always going to bite us at, at some point, is that we obviously don't have a youth structure. So we don't get the players that come up through that structure. Um, our second team, by their own admission, are effectively playing up in the Jackson League or Division One League now. So our pool of players that are sort of able to play in that Premier League is, is quite fine. So, you know, I'm already operating with about 16 players. So like you say, Rob, if we lose um, five or six to GFC, which I anticipate that we will do initially, um, yeah, there's a gaping hole. So, yeah, that's, that is the challenge. And of course, this season's a bit different than the normal one. It's not going to end until possibly mid to late June and then it'll be almost straight back into another season. Um, it doesn't give you much time to to actually sign players in, in, in the close season. No, quite right. I mean, it's. I mean, depending on how we get on in the cups, we could still be playing mid to end of June. Um, I think. I believe the transfer window will effectively open from that point, um, and we'll probably have a month in which we have to try to attract players. And and that's what Rob and I are trying to do. We're trying to produce or provide the best platform. I mean, the first team are probably going to be playing out of KG five next season as well. So we're hoping that is a, a massive attraction to players. And all we can really do is put it out there and get everybody that we've got talking to other players and see what we can do. We've never really done it before. We've never really gone out actively seeking to get players, but we're having to do it this year. We're going to have to go out and be as aggressive as we can in terms of player recruitment. And, and ultimately, we're going to get to the middle of July and a decision is going to have to be made on the club. And of course, the fact that you have, you're going you openly saying we've got to go out and find some players that's going to cause those who don't like Manza and there's a few about even more give them a bit more ammunition to say we don't want them in our league um, you've known about this for long enough and we've spoken about it um, off the record uh, many a time but do you feel that it, you happy with the with, with your the way you are situated in the league and and, and that some will like you some won't yeah, I mean, we've known for years, you know, we've always known that we, we, we divide opinion, OK? I would say that we've been good for the league. I think we've provided another team, another dynamic, at a time where the Prio League was probably getting a little bit boring. So we've provided good opposition for teams. We've never gone out actively trying to headhunt players. You know, most of the players that have signed for us are players that we've got back into football, you know, a lot of players that have drifted away from the game. Um, you know, that causes us our own problems because the players in question are people that probably can't commit to football um, to the level that a St Martins or a Rovers would want. So, you know, they might miss a game, play a game, but we're able to accommodate that. So we've always attracted those kind of guys back into the game. But yeah, I mean, we're going to have to be a bit more aggressive in our approach in the summer and we're going to have to do that. Absolutely. And yeah, it may upset a few, but we'll see where it goes. I mean, if... If we don't succeed, then the club will unfortunately fold. But we're going to do everything we can to keep it alive. How important is keeping the first team alive to the club staying alive? It's 100%. It's pivotal. I mean, if the first team goes, Manza goes, unfortunately. Because really, the sustainability of the club is all based on what the Prio brings to the club. It's the only side that makes commercial sense. 
it's the side that attracts the sponsors um you know the rest of the club you know we're, we're keen to support the rest of the club absolutely we've got a vet side a division three side and a division one side and you know they're obviously all very important to us because we want to provide football for every level um but ultimately it's the prio side that is the flagship team within the league within the club and you know if that goes it just doesn't make any commercial sense for any sponsor to come in so we've made it very clear to the club and our players that it's all reliant on the first team. So it, it is very much players. It's not finance doesn't come into it at all. I mean, you've no. always seen to be fine in that in that respect. Yeah, we've always operated the club as a as a business. Really, I mean, it, it's got to make it, it has to work financially. As in, the incomings have to sort of um, be greater than the outgoings, and that's you know it's pretty basic stuff. And that's that's achieved through sponsorship, through players uh, paying their subs. And uh, we do a few fundraisers every every time, so every year. So um, yeah, no, financially, um, although the costs are likely to increase quite significantly, we've uh, you know we've got plans in place to accommodate that. That's not an issue. It's simply the fact that you have to have a first team squad of at least. 17, 18 players minimum in order to fulfil the 30 games that you're going to be asked to play in a Premier League campaign. So that's the key. So it's clearly a pivotal summer then in terms of the future of the club. If you can make it work, you, you can be on the start line next season. Will that then give you the, the foundation to, to, to build you know, a sustainable future playing wise? I mean, you mentioned the lack of a mini section. You know, is that something on the cards? Uh, no, not initially. I mean, yeah, in answer to your question, I think it's a pivotal summer if we can you know I've talked about sustainability all the time when we entered the Premier League many people said we'd do it for one year and then we'd fold and we're you know we've done it for four years um, obviously we've reached a point now where you know it is at a crossroads I I think if we can get through this season, then it, it takes us on to the next level. You know, having, uh, I mean, at least playing this season out of KG5 as well should be a big attraction. I think that provides a really good additional venue to the Prio League as well on the whole. I mean, it'd be a great place for other teams to come and visit and play games, genuine away games, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, like I say, Rob and I are doing everything we can to provide that platform, to provide that product. And we just, you know, hope that people from the field look at it and think yeah we want to be part of that i gather gflm have been very helpful to you in terms of finding that home venue but will they potentially give you a deadline in terms of what committing to next season because you know they'll be wanting to get on with cracking on with fixtures obviously um probably from the moment the final whistle goes on the next on the, this current season yeah i mean the gflm have been massively supportive as soon as we knew that we were in the predicament we were in terms of sort of bells asking us to leave the track um we approached the gflm and advised them of where we were and um they promised us they'd do everything they could to help they you know they were extremely supportive and as a result of that they've um, you know, as part of the agreement they have with the KG5, they've allowed us to play our Prio home fixtures at KG5. Um, and yeah, like you say, they'll be drawing up fixtures uh, fairly early as soon as the season finishes. I imagine they'll be looking at fixtures. So, you know, we've been very clear to them that that obviously process will have to continue. And at a certain point in time, we're going to have to make a decision whether or not we can play those fixtures or not. So, you know, I, I, I imagine we'll be looking at a decision either way come mid-July. I don't think we'll be able to leave it any later than that. Well, best of luck on that, uh, Mark, because I know you've sort of tried very hard in, in, in putting this sort of, getting this show on the road, and it's um, it has been a success for the league, that's undoubtedly. I mean, you you know, you, you are a bit up and down, a bit un unpredictable, but 
you know, Munza have been very good for the league for the last four years. So I wish you luck. Thank you. Yeah, and you've got a, bit, a busy week ahead. I think, as you mentioned before, north at the track on Wednesday night and then uh, St. Martin's on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, again, could have another big say in the, in the title race. Yeah, I mean, the games are coming thick and fast. I mean, three games in a week is a big ask, especially with the squad the size we got. But, you know, we had a good result the weekend. We'll get ready for Wednesday and then we'll worry about St. Martins on Saturday, a game at a time. That's all we can really do. So, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully you've got some uh, some messages pinging in on your phone while, uh, while you're doing this. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming in. Best of luck with uh, with the rest of the season and, and for, you know, for, for getting things on a, on a steady um, keel for, for the future of the club. No, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Well, some interesting stuff from Mark there, Rob. Do you think we'll see Manza playing their part in the Premier League for years to come? I hope so. Um, they really have added value to the for the league, as of Alderney in recent years. Um, I wouldn't like to see the Premier League to re- be reduced back to seven teams again. Um, but there again, I wouldn't like to see Manza or Alderney really, really struggle. So it's really down to the... In Manza's, in Manza's um, case, down to their players, they've either got to want to do it or not, um, and they've got to commit. Uh, Mark Romrell, um, with the help of Rob, um, Rob Thompson, they can't do it on their own. It really is a, it is a player's game. Um, so those players who are certainly involved at the moment, they, they hold the key. Can they attract a few more players to their club to keep them going um, short and mid-term? We shall see in the summer. And, you know, given the you know the playing pool in Guernsey as it is now do you think there are enough players of that quality to to um yeah to be able to maintain eight on island Premier league teams there are enough players around but as you will be talking about some of the lower leagues in, in a short while a lot of these players now want to play with their mates and want to play football under their own terms and they don't want to be playing sp- specifically pre-league football anymore um, so there are only a certain number of players who want to commit and, and, and stick to playing and training and um, unfortunately I don't think we've got probably enough of those players to, to, to fill nine sides. Well, you mentioned the lower leagues there. There is, of course, more to Guernsey football than just the Premier League. Rob, just give us a little rundown of how things stand in some of the other divisions. Yeah, there's some good stuff going on down right throughout the divisions. Um, in Lancaster 1, which is the old Jackson for people over the age of 40. Um, <laughs> Red Lion North, basically North Reserves. They won again, they're 3-0 over Valrec to go three points clear of St Martins, who have now lost twice post-lockdown. Saints had looked in control of this league, but then went down 4-2 to the Red Line North, and then last week surprisingly lost 2-1 against Bells when Robbie Williams and Chris King were on target. Saints have a few injuries now, and um, crucially perhaps they've lost Lucas Meza. They're flying forward, who often crops up in their first-team squad. He's injured and be out for a while, I understand. Lancaster 2, Roncaine Pirates are the hot team here. They've won five in a row and they've gone top on goal difference from their landlord, Sylvans. I like um, the way the Pirates um, publicise themselves. They've got a very slick social media operation going, should anyone care to follow their Twitter feed. At the weekend, they tanked um, CF Independent 5-0 with the league's top scorer, Matt Ceriza, notching a hat-trick. There was also a goal for former first-team man at Sylvans, Jack Medhurst, and Ben Bullock who was their recent transfer from North, who was playing pre-league football for much of the early part of the season. 
Um, the Rocking Paris Twitter feed recently um, put together a false Fabrizio Romano um, account. And Fabrizio um, Romano is one of the big transfer gurus in Europe, European football. And he, apparently Romano uh, um, reported that the Rocking Pirates had triggered Ben Bullock's release clause and <laughs> signed him to a contract for 2021, beating three other Prio clubs to sign him. Um, Ceriza, by the way, has now scored um, 19 goals in 10 appearances this season, eight clear of teammate Nick Abbott. Sylvan's side, but um, they're also pretty strong. Um, they've got the Roland brothers, um, as well as former their first team goalkeeper Ash Williams and Christian Naray playing in their side. Down in Lancaster, three. Um, it's a three-horse race for the title between Leaders North, who are one point ahead and have a game have played a game more than their their second-placed CF Independent. Third-placed Saints are just two points back on the same number of games as the leaders. Individually, Conor Manganaro is, leads the scoring, chart, scoring charts here with 10 goals from his many appearances. And Jacques Ogier is the main man for CF Independent. He's also got 10. This is where I have to declare my uh, my interest here, boys, uh, as a CF Independence leading luxury number 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not the work workhorse of the team, are you? No, exactly. <laughs> you, you can't get away with having too many me's on the team. But, uh, th yeah, thankfully, we've got some uh, some really good running at the moment. And, yeah, Jack Ogier uh, is a... He's a confident character, and he's yeah he's he's scoring some really nice goals, and uh, yeah does does a lot of the running that, that some others. Well, won't. who's going to win that league then, Tony? It's all to play for. I have to say, my uh, yeah my my commitment levels um, yeah probably being called will be called into question off the back of this. But yeah, <laughs> if I, if I can get on the pitch for a couple of minutes before the end of the season, it could make all the difference. Anyway, continuing down <laughs> continuing down the leagues with the veterans, there's another three-way battle here with Rovers spearheaded by Ryan Tippett. They are three points ahead of Saints, who are two games in hand. Rovers won 8-2 against Rangers at the weekend. Um, Tippy scored another brace, as did another former Marathi man, Johnny Verran. Tippett is the leading scorer in the Veterans League with 14 goals in 10 games. Rangers' main man up front is Matt Patworth. He's next best with 11. Incidentally, Rangers also got Scott Bradford pulling a few strings in midfield. And I noticed Jake Ellis is still propping up the defence for the Portswell side. Rangers have a decent squad, by the way. They've got the likes of Patworth, Dave Parrott, Joe Clatworthy, Shane Billion, and Ryan Gontier in their lineup. In the Ravenscroft Development Leagues, North holds sway mostly. In the under 18s, they remain firm favourites. They've won nine times out of ten, the other game being a draw. But they dropped their first points of the season last week when Rangers held them to a 2 2 draw. Freddie Walker and Jimmy Evans netted the goals for Rangers and Keane Domal scored a 70th minute equaliser to preserve their unbeaten tag. Keane is the top scorer in the division with 22 goals in eight games, which is a fantastic rate. He's clearly one of those for the future, had played quite a few times for their first team this year. Young Owen Walbridge has also contributed 10. They've got a good squad, that North, um, at the moment, um, under... Ross Cameron, they've got the likes of Ben AC, Jake and Luke Elmy, Callum Cherry, Archie Drillo and the likes. But the, start, the player I like is the George McNeiler, who's a midfielder, who's starred their under-16 side and I believe is also a very handy rugby player. Sylvans are in second spot at the under-18s. Uh, they're very strong as well, but they lack the cutting edge of Ross Cameron's side. Toby Batty's has 14 goals to his name for them. 
The strange thing in this division, though, is what's happened to Saints. They started the season as sort of um, one of the strongest sides on, on paper. But nowadays, they're conceding walkovers left, right and centre, or should I say a couple of walkovers. Um, one of them was to Rangers at the weekend. And um, it's not looking good for the BPL club at that, that, that level. Quite what's going on there, I'm not quite so sure. Uh, and the under-16s, North are on top here too, but Rangers are making them work very hard for the title. Um, Pre-lockdown, it looked like North were going to sail away, but not now. Um, Range, Rovers were third, did Rangers a big favour last week when they beat North 3-1. And that followed a 5-2 loss for North against Rangers a few weeks back when they fell victim to the hot prospects of Tim Apsion, who bagged a hat-trick, and Zach Batiste, who got a brace. Z um, Tim Apsion, by the way, is a very, very talented player, highly promising. He tops the divisional scoring charts, scoring charts, I should say, with 26 goals in 10 games, which is quite a phenomenal, phenomenal rate at any level, followed by young Zach with 16 from 10, one ahead of Norse Owen Walbridge. But, and Rovers have got themselves a couple of decent strikers too at that level with Anthony Santos and Hamilton Chisenga, the latter who I saw playing for Lamar de Cartre in one of the secondary school finals last year and I was impressed by his power and speed. In the under-14s, North lead here too, but it's far from a decisive advantage with Sewell's four points behind and with a game in hand. Archie Lahuri is the boy here. He's got 42 goals and 15 appearances. Blimey. <laughs> That's an amazing <laughs> tally. And no wonder they're, they're saying a lot of good things in down Northfield way. I know little um, Colin Fallais, former of the Ireland team manager, who's in charge of the North team, rates him very, very highly. The big game here is at the end of the month when North go to St Peter's for a Sunday evening kick-off and that game may well decide the outcome of the title. As for the under-13, Sylvans clearly have some good prospects here and um, they lead the division by eight points from North, who they beat 5-1 at the weekend. So far, they've won nine and drawn one of their ten games and they possess four of the leading five goal scorers in the division in Finley, Patterson, Emerson Nobes, who's the son of former Marathi captain John, Declan Ridgwick and Felix Addenbrook. Lots going on. And uh, yeah, some interesting uh, narratives in the uh, divisions, uh, yeah, uh, yeah cross-island football. So yeah, we'll be watching closely. Indeed, indeed. And uh, Rob, before we wrap up for today, I know you wanted to highlight the return of, uh, of a referee to the middle this weekend. Yeah, Brent Blundell. He was absolutely superb in charge of the Manza um, Sylvans game at the weekend. He'd been running a few lines this season, having been out of the game for best part of a decade, I'd guess. Before he hung up his whistle for that period, he was the outstanding referee in Guernsey football. And even though he may lack a little sharpness, shall we say, he was, um, he was, he was superb again at the weekend. He sent two of the Manza players into the sin bin for 10 minutes. He's, very, he's on the ball, uh, Brent. He knows what's going on. When he was a footballer at, at Prio level with Vale Rec, won a Prio League title, in fact, he knew all the tricks of the trade. He gave the ref terrible stick during his time. I'm sure he won't mind me admitting and mentioning that. And I'm sure he'd be honest enough. He, he was not always... He was, he was a bit of a bad boy to a certain extent. But um, he knows what's going on in a game. And he can read a game. He can tell, tell players exactly what's going on as well. And um, nothing gets past him. Um, very similar in many ways to a couple of other f um, former Premier League footballers in the distant days who were top referees as well. Um, Brent Bl um, Tony Blondel, who's um, Brent's uncle, 
he was another player who was um, who um, was a very hard and working midfield player, very talented footballer, and you couldn't pull the wool over his eyes either. He was he was top notch, as was Mike Vodin, um, former goalkeeper. And again, he, I think they all show that if you've played football at the highest level, you almost got an advantage when you play, when you referee, um, in, you know, referee at any level, because you know what to look out for. And I think sometimes some of the referees, they haven't got that experience and consequently they don't pick out the little things. They don't get, get exactly what's going on. Well, it's good to see the uh, the refereeing pool bolstered by uh, yeah bolstered by Brent's return to the middle and yeah I guess it is uh, you know the 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 number and and quality of referees is, is a kind of perennial issue for for the game across the country but uh, yeah you you can tell at the moment that's in a good place. Yes, it doesn't seem to be too bad. I was worried about it a couple of years ago, but we've we've got some good refs around now. Um, I like to think I like to see the best referees refereeing the top games. I think that should always be the case. That hasn't always been the case in recent years, but seemingly at the moment, we're getting more and more of that happening and um, that can only be good. Well, just finally, we're getting very close to the top in our countdown of Guernsey Football's uh, top 100, supported by DWA. I just wanted to to mention a couple of names that have come out in the last week. Uh, Today, it was uh, number 17, uh, Craig Allen revealed. I know there's been some questions about whether he would be eligible for this list. Uh, uh, but, but Gareth, he definitely did enough locally, didn't he, to figure? He definitely did. Um, I, I've said for, for for many years, I think Craig's the best player I've ever seen in, in the Prio Liga. He was just absolute class. And by the time I was watching him, he'd come back from America. He was probably early 30s, 33, 34, something like that. Absolutely brilliant. But, I mean, some of the stories I get told by his, um, his old teammates when they were um, at Rangers in the 70s and what he used to do. I mean, um, Graham Chester from the Sports Commission used to play in golf that side and he used to tell me sometimes there'd be games where Rangers were losing. Craig would come back from, from being a striker, say, Chesy, give me the ball, and he'd run through the rest of the, <laughs> the opposition and go and score. Um, and when you see what he achieved in terms of Marathis, I mean, I think he played four junior Marathis in the end or featured in four. Um, was, he's still got many a senior Marathi cap despite basically not being here throughout his 20s and he helped Rangers win I think was it three strangers in a row when he came back as well as sort of player coach he, he had a big impact in, in local football despite basically missing the whole of the 80s because he was a professional in America at the time playing against the likes of Pelé and Beckenbauer Unquestionably if we'd seen him at his peak I'm sure he would have been fur- much much further up this list yeah, as it is, he comes in at number 17. Just a few more to go. Uh, uh, Tony Vance was uh, was at number 18. He was revealed on Saturday. Yeah, Tony was a good player in his time. I know Alan Neprevo, the Sylvans coach, and also then Ireland coach, loved him. He really did. Um, very hardworking. Eye for a goal. Very skillful. Um, terrific career. Terrific career. Any, uh, any of the other names that have come out in the last week or so that have, that have really caught your eye in terms of stories? or I, I, I'd like to... Um... Uh, mentioned Dave Lesbrough. Dave Lesbrough, um, imperious midfield player, 
for bells, but also Velret when they were at their peak. And I remember the um, very first season Rovers were in the Prio League and one of the, our earliest games at Port Swarth was against Velret when they were at their mightiest. And on that day, I remember playing midfield and I could not believe that there was this chap hounding me everywhere, following me, just telling me all the time I was utterly useless. <laughs> utterly useless. What's all the fuss about you? And, you know, you're playing with the big boys now. And I was just, I left the game shocked. I must have, I've never experienced anything like it. It was incredible. Wow. Um, well, that's I think all we've got time for for now. Uh, we will, of course, be back on Thursday with the Gunter Press Sport podcast, a general look at everything going on in Ireland sport, of course, uh, for the very best coverage of local sport and local football included. Um, yeah, make sure you pick up the paper each day and follow us on Twitter at GSY uh, Press Sport for the uh, latest results and tidbits. Uh, chaps, what are you, where are you going to be this week? Well, we've got so, a couple of midweek games to go to. I think I'm back at the Corbett Field for the third Wednesday on the trot. <laughs> I wonder how, who's going to be turning out for wreck this week. They've probably got another five players back. <laughs> well, enjoy. We'll, uh, we'll catch up later in the week. Uh, for now, take care.